Before we get started, I have an important message. If you're on Medicare or about to be, you don't want to go it alone. And you don't want to just call the first guy who sends you a postcard. My husband did that, and he wound up with some bad advice that costs us a penalty each month that will never go away. So what can you do? Contact one of our member experts by going to certifiedmedicareagents.com and searching your state for an agent. You'll be able to look through our member agents and read about them. Then you can reach out to the agent or broker you select directly through the site. Now, one thing you should know is other sites who do this sell your information to 15 or more agents so you can get hundreds of unwanted phone calls. Not so with CertifiedMedicareAgents.com. You'll only be contacted by one agent, and if there is a problem, I may personally reach out to you, but generally you will only hear from the one agent you select. So head on over there right now before you forget and find a qualified and certified agent that can help you today. Now, let's start our program. Welcome back to the Rocky Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and today you'll get two updates, one from me and one from Barbara. Only it won't be Barbara's voice you hear. It will be an automated voice that is reading her journal. I just thought that you might want to listen to her actual words instead of me giving you a recap. Now, if you've never listened to the Rocky Retirement Show before, you might want to start on a different episode, not this one, because this one isn't our typical episode. Maybe the one from August 2020 when we changed the show format so you can get a feel for what's happening with Barbara and why she's on the show. She's our retiree that we're living vicariously through the show. Which reminds me, if you know of someone who is retiring soon, meaning within the next 12 months, we're looking for a new addition to the show. Our goal is to follow different retirees from about six months prior to retirement to about six months after retirement. We actually would like to follow them for a year after retirement so we can see how they go through the different retirement stages. But we ask for once a month for a year, six months prior and six months after. So if you know someone who might be interested in this project, please have that person contact me at podcast at rockyourretirement.com so we can discuss it. So now I'll give you an update on what's happening in my own life. Although I'm still working, I've cut way back on my hours. In the past, I would block out time to do things, but then if someone needed my help work-wise, I would unschedule my activity so that I could help them. This is a much more rare occurrence now. I'm actually scheduling retirement type activities and sticking with them. And one of those activities is synchronized swimming. If you've listened to the show, you probably already know that I started this activity fairly recently. In fact, I'm heading into my very first show the end of February 2022, and I'm nervous about it. After all, I'm not really a performer. And you might think that that's a weird statement coming from a podcast host, but 
if you think about it, it actually makes sense. First of all, I'm not usually the one doing the most talking. It's usually been either my guests in the earlier shows or Barbara, who's been our retiree since August of 2020. So even though I'm the host of the show, I don't consider it to be the same as performing like in a theater, singing, or synchronized swimming. So yes, I'm nervous about it because uh, everyone in the show lives here in the 55 and older community with me. We are no spring chickens. In fact, I'm swimming with someone who is 79. She's going to be 80 soon. But you'd never know it by looking at her or talking with her. There are a few people in their 80s in our club, and it inspires me. Swimming must keep you young is all I can say. But because um, of the fact that, you know, we all are older, we've actually had two people drop out of my group, you know, the, the group that I'm in for the performance. And so that means I have to relearn things. And we've changed the show several times. So I'm hoping that I can remember. (laughs) Wish me luck. But some really cool things are happening too. Just this morning, I talked with some listeners of the show, which was pretty cool. Lori and Ralph, if you are listening, it was really a pleasure to meet you. It's always exciting to me when I meet a listener who isn't a family member or a friend. Well, Actually, I don't think any of my family members listen either, (laughs) but we have had over 512,000 downloads to the show. I mean, that's pretty amazing, over half a million downloads, especially since when we started the show, no one even knew what a podcast was. Well, at least my target audience didn't. So so thank you. Thank you for, for listening. And I wanted to let you know that creating this show has really helped me personally in so many ways. Learning from our early guest helped Les and me get through his cancer treatments and kind of gave us ideas on what to ask the doctors. I've learned things and I've gone back and re-listened to those early shows when I needed information on something. You know, I consider those early shows to be somewhat of an encyclopedia. Okay, enough about me. I just wanted to give you an update. And now we'll listen to Barbara's journal. Now, she'll be back next next time. But she is in the process of traveling. She doesn't have very good internet service. And so this is how we're doing the show this month. But just remember, these are her words, not her voice. What you hear as the voice was created by a program that I used to transcribe the written word into voice. But I hope you enjoy it. Here's Barbara. Or Barbara's words, actually. Again, not her voice. Barbara's Tiffin Journal. A journal about our RV adventure and the motorhome that won't start. December 18th Entry. We picked up our new Tiffin Phaeton 40IH on Saturday, December 18th. She is beautiful and we are excited to start our adventure south to Arizona after spending Christmas with our family in Arizona. After loading Frosty up, we call him Frosty because of the frosted granite color scheme, with everything we'll need to enjoy the sunshine, hiking, biking, and golfing in Tucson and Yuma. We noticed that the AquaHot system was not functioning properly in Zone 2. December 20th Entry 
Mike spent the entire day at Polsbo RV with the technician trying to troubleshoot and fix the issue but to no avail. We decided that since we have made all of our travel plans we will wait until we are in Arizona to find an Aquatech specialist to make the warranty repairs or until we return in the spring. December 22nd Entry We started him up and drove to Eric and Roby's in a raging rainstorm to Tumwater, Washington. We parked and hooked up and spent our first night warm and cozy. Everything worked great, and we especially liked the king-size bed. Little did we know that tomorrow would bring disappointment, and our first RV challenges. December 23rd Entry Time to head south to Hillsboro, Oregon to spend Christmas with our kids and grandkids. Up bright and early at 8.30 a.m. ready to hit the road, but unfortunately Frosty won't start. After spending four hours troubleshooting with Eric all to no avail, we called a Freightliner technician, but he couldn't come until 4 p.m. Eric asked one of his mechanics to come to take a look. Within minutes he had tightened a loose battery cable and reseated a fuse. Frosty started up, and while we had a late start we were excited to be on the road to get this adventure started. It was pouring rain again, and there was a huge accident in Centralia. It took four hours to make a two-hour trip. While we were on the road we lost our exhaust brake indicator, cruise control, and received erroneous indicator lights on the tire pressure gauges. There is clearly something wrong but we don't know what it is. We stopped at Paul and Nancy's place and plugged into 50-amp service at the barn. Then we went back to Brittany's to spend time with the kids and grandkids. We returned later that night, and we slept well in our new coach. The bed and the creature comforts are amazing. We love the heated floors. Hopefully, we can get the coach started in the morning. December 24th Entry Frosty won't start. It is Christmas Eve and we are feeling discouraged. We left the coach and came back to Brit and Matt's house for brunch. I made clam chowder from our December stash of razor clams. We began calling service agents but of course, everything is closed. We are getting concerned about the weather reports. We are having trouble focusing on the holiday realizing that we are not going anywhere anytime soon. We spent the morning canceling our reservations on the coast at the Redwoods and Casper Beach. The California coast and Highway 1 will need to wait for another time. No one is answering the phone at any of the local and national hotlines for Freightliner. December 25th Entry We spent the day with the senior Ellabrooks and had a delicious breakfast and late lunch. Snow and cold temperatures are predicted so we have made the decision to decamp to Matt and Britt's house, close up the motorhome, and wait until Monday to see if we can get a repair person out. December 26th Entry We awoke to snow and cold this morning. Freightliner is closed until 6 a.m. Monday. We will call them right away when we wake up. We are going to buy a long extension cord to plug in the block heater to keep the motor from freezing. This is the most discouraged we have been. We are going out to the farm to check on the motorhome in the snow. The weather isn't predicted to change until the end of the week. December 27th Entry We called the local Freightliner office in the morning and talked with Aaron the service manager. He indicated that the person that does the diagnosis on situations like ours is on vacation until next week. However, he sent two technicians out to the farm. Sam and Chris were very helpful and committed to getting us on the road. They tested the batteries, the fuses, and everything they could and determined they were fully charged and working. However, the motorhome would not start. Finally, they crawled underneath and bypassed the system, and the motor started right up. They let it run and started and restarted several times. 
but on an intermittent basis, the problem would repeat. They speculated wiring or the computer was overriding something causing the motor to not start. They were not sure that they fixed the root cause because for them it was unknown. But at least we know he will start sometimes. December 28th Entry We loaded up all of our clothes and food, reloaded the motorhome, and decided to get underway. The roads were clear and wet and we decided to start driving south if the motor would start. It wouldn't. We called Aaron and he indicated he would send someone out as soon as possible. After two hours we called to check on the status of our technicians and he indicated they weren't comfortable driving. It would be really better if we waited for next Monday, January 4th for the person that does the diagnosis. Very disappointed we cancelled all of our reservations between Oregon and Yuma, our destination for the month of January. We cancelled Crescent City, Mendocino, Merced, Bakersfield, and Palm Springs. I'm sad we won't see the Redwoods or spend the new year with friends golfing in the warm weather. A small bit of good news. We contacted an Aquahot technician that works in Yuma. If we ever make it there he believes that the dealer did not fill the system properly and that there is air blocking the system. He says Aquahot will not cover this because it is not their system but rather the plumbing that supports it, but we are willing to pay for this ourselves to have it up and running we will get a report on what is actually found and talk with Polsbo RV later. December 29th Entry We still haven't heard from Polsbo RV. I guess no one is working or available but we feel so alone and without access to resources that could help. A neighbor near my daughter's home knows someone at the Salem Freightliner office so we'll call him this morning. We talked to Gary in Salem and because we started with Portland he can't cross a territory and he doesn't have a technician to help. Gary is wondering if the chassis, motor, and starter are fine but whether something happened at the factory when the motorhome was built and whether there is an electrical problem. Very lost and overwhelmed with this news. I called Polsbo RV. Maya was a great listener and said she would contact the service manager, but he is on vacation until next week. We left another message with Aaron in Portland and asked about towing to Freightliner, but hope we really don't need to do that. We are asking for a written report on what the technicians found on Monday. We feel like it would be prudent to collect documentation. We also called the Tiffin Company, but they have a closed message from Thanksgiving for their hours. I'm assuming they are closed until the new year. December 30th and 31st Entries We went out each day to the farm to be sure the Tiffin was warm and plugged in. Each time we have made a few attempts to start it, all to no avail. We'll be bringing in the New Year holiday with Brittany, Matt, and the kids. Trying to be grateful we are safe and warm. At the same time we are really disappointed that our brand new motorhome won't start. January 1st and 2nd, 2022 Entries Getting excited for Monday to come. Hopefully we will have some good news and be able to finally get on the road. Our reservations in Yuma start on the 4th so we definitely want to get underway. We have loaded up everything so many times thinking we'll be ready to go and it is just not happening yet. January 3rd, 2022 Entries we called Aaron at Freightliner and found out Zach, the long-awaited technician will be there at noon. We loaded up everything including all of our food and belongings and said goodbye to our kids and grandkids. Today could be the day. Zach arrived at 10 a.m. and started troubleshooting. Within a few hours, he determined that power was not getting to the starter from the ignition switch. He suspected a broken connection. He was able to start the motor by bypassing the suspected wire. He was so excited and so were we. 
he indicated he would just rewire the defective line, and we should be good to go in an hour or so. We went to lunch and when we came back he was on the ground working. The challenge was that he doesn't fit under the motorhome. He asked us to lift up the home on the jacks, but we didn't feel comfortable because jacks are not designed to have someone underneath to do work. He jumped our motorhome, and we drove in a lashing rain and sleet storm through rush hour traffic in Portland and left the home in the parking lot. Zach was hoping he could get it fixed before the end of the day, or that the night crew could take over. Unfortunately, we didn't hear from anyone so we came home in defeat and unloaded everything from the jeep, and went back to Britt's house. January 4th Entry Today might be the day. Zach has been dispatched to another job this morning but they'll let us know. Our motorhome is not winterized and it is not plugged into power so we drove up to Portland from Tualatin again and started the generator. We played cribbage for an hour and started to plan what food we'll need to buy, what route we'll take, and what reservations we'll need to make if we get to leave today. At 10.30 a.m. Zach arrived. We left him to get going on the fix, picked up our bikes at the farm, and attached them to the jeep. We came back to our daughter's house once again. We aren't even going to pack or unpack and we're hoping our food will be all right tonight. It is 3 p.m. and we haven't heard from anyone. We are going on 13 days with our motorhome not starting. This is becoming beyond discouraging and ridiculous. Did we make a mistake? Is this what it will be like? We both expected a few minor things to go wrong but not being able to get assistance with getting a brand new motorhome started never entered our minds. We called Kakopa RV Resort and let them know we wouldn't be arriving today. At this point I'm not sure when we will get there. When will this nightmare end and our trip south begin? We didn't hear anything all day. I finally called Portland Freightliner, sat on hold for 15 minutes and found out that Zach had repaired the wiring. Hooray! Then we had to make a decision. Do we wait to pick it up and get stuck in downtown Portland traffic or do we head out tonight? We picked up the motorhome from Mark who said everything is fixed, it is on the warranty and there would be no charge. Grateful we reloaded everything into the motorhome and started driving south. Frosty started right up and we were so relieved. Hooray! We are finally on our way. We said goodbye to our grandkids and kids and our adventure can begin. We drove through a raging rainstorm and decided to get to a rest stop for the night. We made it to Santium River southbound I-5 and pulled in. We had parked apparently next to a derelict trailer and car that were doing drug deals in the middle of the night. All night long there were people going in and out. Mike got up and got dressed three times to go and see if our bikes and jeep were still attached. We are so tired. January 5th Entry We are on our way. We had a quick breakfast and Frosty started right up. Hooray! We started driving and noticed that once again the exhaust brake and the cruise control were turning on and off. The dash was flashing a fault that said transmission communications failure. Very concerning. We decided to stop at 10 a.m. for fuel and def and a sandwich at Seven Feathers Travel and Truck Stop. We chose to turn off the motorhome and hoped that the error codes would clear when we restarted. Confident that Zach had fixed the problem we went in and bought our sandwiches for lunch. When we came back, nothing no clicking, no starting we are dead in the water now for day 13. What have we done? We are absolutely sick. Now what? I sat on hold for 15 minutes to McCoy's and no one picks up. In desperation we called Gary Beavers at Salem Freightliner. 
he called us right back and expressed his concern and gave us the phone number for Medford Freightliner dealer. He said to give him 15 minutes and he would phone his friends and tell them about our story. We called Portland again and I left a message for Aaron the service manager. We are feeling like Gary is our savior. I so wish we would have driven to Salem to let him and his crew fix our problem. Very quickly Kale from Medford called, listened to our problem, and said he would be on his way. He is 60 miles away so it will take a while for him to get to us. We are not sure if we are staying at Seven Feathers tonight. Getting a jump. Getting our problem fixed or getting a tow to Medford. I called and asked for the owner or general manager at Polesbo RV. They are all out of town so I got Chuck the sales manager at Polesbo RV and vented to him. While he sympathized with our situation he expressed regret that there was nothing he could do. We are hoping they will do right by us. We just don't know that this is right now. So now we sit and wait for Kale, hoping and praying he can fix our problem. If he can, we are trying to decide whether we drive north and return our motorhome to Mount Vernon or continue driving south and try to get to Yuma. So far RVing is not fun at all. This is the most frustrating, exhausting, disappointing situation we have ever been in during our 42 years of marriage. We are feeling a lot of regrets right now. Kale arrived, we are confident in his ability to find the problem. He has computers and diagnostic tools. He worked for several hours and downloaded the error codes. There are thousands of them. Cruise control 1400 errors. Ignition 126 errors. There was even a fault code concerning the headlights. As Mike was reviewing the list he realized that when we were parked at the farm in Hillsborough and he was walking with Paul to Frosty, the headlights flashed. Mike said did you see that? And Paul confirmed he did. At the time we didn't know why it would do that but we were waiting for Portland to come so assumed it was just an anomaly. Kale is stumped and it is getting later. On the good side, I met a truck driver with a cute puppy and I walked around the RV campground. I got 8,200 steps and it burnt off some of my anxiety and frustration. It is beautiful with 191 spaces a hot tub and a pool. Too bad we can't stay here tonight. Kale decided to give us a jump and have us drive to the Medford Freightliner now. This is turning into an absolute nightmare. I've called Polesbo RV and talked to Chuck and Sales and Aaron the service manager in Portland and let them know our disaster trip continues with no end in sight. We keep arguing about what a mistake we made and whether we should just turn around and drive north and dump Frosty at Polesbo. We vacillate between throwing in the towel and quitting this or seeing it through and somehow getting to Yuma. We've both decided that we are not having any fun at all. Even though we are both optimistic and positive we are being challenged to see the bright side. Friends and family are constantly texting and telling us to get an attorney under the Lemon Law and to have it towed to Mount Vernon. This kind of advice isn't at all helpful when you are in the midst of a challenging situation like this. It will be good to remember if we ever meet anyone else experiencing this. Kale thinks that there are so many electrical problems that it could be a bulkhead module unit that is failing. He jump-started us and got another ignition error code but there are so many issues he is not sure. One issue is that Freightliner builds the chassis and hooks everything up and then the builder, in this case Tiffin, decides where to put the bulkhead module in the home. He isn't sure where ours will be. I called Chuck at Mount Vernon and asked for help. We haven't heard from Tiffin but are wondering if someone there might know where the module was placed. I'm not confident I'll hear back from anyone but at this point. I'm so desperate I'll just keep making calls. It makes me feel a little less out of control.
We made it over four passes today without exhaust brakes. Mike did everything he could by manually gearing down to fourth and pumping the brakes on the steepest parts of the mountain. Twice we smelled our brakes. This is freaking me out. And our tire pressure heated up and indicator lights came on. I'm completely sick at heart. We made it to Medford at the end of their workday. Everyone was going home but Kale came and offered a plug-in but we know that we'll just blow breakers. We need 50 amp service so we'll once again use the generator tonight. He said he'll be at work tomorrow at 8 a.m. and get started on trying to help us. The receptionist at the service desk indicated that she would be opening a ticket with something called Freightliner CCC that will give Kale access to experts that can review the codes and troubleshoot. I'm not sure if this is reassuring or not. There is a suggestion that this is not uncommon with new motorhomes that it could be five minutes or five days. How does something like this happen? As we were standing in the parking lot, Kale suggested that sometimes at night this can be a rough area so he had us pull into a covered bay, move the jeep behind, and we are now locked in for the night. I guess we are more securely locked in here but hopefully, we don't have a medical emergency on top of everything else. I'm so tired but at least the slides went out. We have lights, heat, a place to sleep, and our sandwiches that we didn't eat from the Seven Feathers Deli. I'm trying to count my blessings and not let a cloud of negativity take hold. We've been paying daily for a spot in Yuma for the past five days, but at this point, the money doesn't even compare to the stress we are feeling. Tomorrow is a new day. January 6th entry. It was hard to sleep last night with the worry and the airplanes landing and the Interstate 5 traffic, but we were safe inside the barbed wire gate and warm and comfortable. At 9.30 in the morning, Mike went in to check to see where we were on the schedule. The manager didn't know we were here. We made the incorrect assumption that Kale and the front desk would let them know. He sent Andrew out right away to start working on the problem. Bob Anderson from Polsbo reached out and I updated him on the next part of our nightmare. He told me to call Bob Tiffin. I was really reluctant to bother him, but I went ahead and left a message. Within about 10 minutes Gary Harris from Tiffin returned our call, asked some diagnostic questions, and asked me to hand the phone to the technician which I did. Then about 10 minutes after that Bob Tiffin called. It was so nice to hear from someone who could help us finally, that I cried after Mike hung up. They indicated that they would provide all the support necessary to Medford Freightliner from their end. I'm learning that this is the kind of customer service I value, responsiveness, accountability, and a willingness to listen. I'm much more hopeful today than when I went to bed last night. Now we wait to see what the experts can come up with. Andrew and Mike worked together for several hours. Andrew opened a ticket with Freightliner CCC. He saw all of the fault codes. He worked through his lunch hour and finally found that there are three wire harness connectors that were full of water. He shook them up poured the water out, and blew on them. He put them back together and said, now try to start it up. Frosty fired right off. We think they found the problem. Andrew observed that water was getting into the driver's side bay that contains all of these connectors. He could see the rust and where the water was coming in. His surprise is that these types of connectors should be submersible so it is hard to understand how so much water got in there. We know how it did. We have only driven in rainstorms of biblical proportions for five full days. He also noticed that the connectors looked like they were damaged at the factory and some of the pins were bent which could explain why things were shorting out. It also explains why it was intermittent in starting because eventually, things would dry out. 
we called Gary Harris to tell him what was found. He was so helpful and said they would look at where the water is getting in and see if there is something that can be done to prevent this. However, it is unlikely that many Tiffin owners would be driving in the kind of conditions here in the Pacific Northwest and Oregon. We are so grateful for Andrew and his diagnostic skills. He has decided to replace three of the components under the Freightliner warranty. We have spent two nights here so far. It may be two more. We are waiting for the parts. Two parts will come from Tennessee, and may be here on January 7th tomorrow. One part is coming from Canton, Ohio which may take another day. Tonight we found the Four Daughters Irish Pub and Mike had fish and chips. I had the Irish stew and he ordered a Guinness. Time for bed. January 7th entry. Today we are waiting for our parts to arrive. I've reorganized the motorhome and did the dishes. We are really wanting a shower. We are going to go to Fred Meyer and pick up some groceries. I called Aaron in Portland again. I begged him to call us back with the information from Zach about the overlay. He called Zach and was able to confirm that he had disconnected the original wire and replaced it with a pink wire from the RV multiplexer to the ignition. He suggested that it could be left as is because it had a factory connection. I thanked him for responding and returning my call. We will pass this information on to Andrew on Monday. I also called and left a message for Gary Harris at Tiffin to give him an update on what was found. We got some groceries and then we loaded up our shower items, and for the first time in our 42 years of marriage took a shower at the Pilot Travel Center truck stop. It has been five days without a shower and it is time. $15 gets you a shower room to share. This is definitely a new experience. We checked with the administration staff to see where the parts are and they indicated two of the parts would arrive by 4.30 p.m. The other part had not been shipped yet unfortunately from Canton, Ohio. Maybe Monday will be ready to go again. We can only hope. January 8th Entry We started the day by checking with the admin staff again. It is Saturday and there aren't as many workers here. The good news is that the part has shipped. The bad news is that the FedEx overnight is turning into five days with an estimated arrival date of January 12th. If this is true it will have been 21 days since our motorhome got water in the electronics during a rainstorm and won't start. I don't even know what to say anymore. We are trying to keep a good attitude. Another first, we took our laundry to a laundromat. It was definitely interesting and really expensive, but we eventually figured out how everything worked. We played cribbage for a while and have a new appreciation for what our nation's truck drivers go through with getting showers and laundry and seeing them waiting in the trucker's lounge while their rigs get repaired. After we did our laundry we took a drive out to a cute little town called Jacksonville. We weren't really dressed for shopping so we drove through the main downtown, grabbed some brochures from the visitor center, and headed back to the motorhome. One of the employees here stopped by to chat at the end of his day and recommended Angelo's if we wanted pizza so that is where we went for dinner. We are running out of water and our tanks are getting full. We'll definitely need to figure out how to get the motorhome started and go to a dump station if we are really going to be here for three or four more days. Tomorrow is a new day. January 9th Entry Medford Freightliner is closed on Sunday. It was much quieter without the trucks coming in and out all night but precisely at 6.45 a.m. the leaf blower started outside our bedroom window, then the street sweeper started up. Time to wake up and get our day started. The weather cleared up and the fog came in. We packed a lunch, put on our hiking boots and backpacks drove to Lower Table Rock, and hiked up to the top.
the fog lifted just as we came to the tabletop. We had spectacular views of Mount McLaughlin and met some lovely people on our way up and down. We shared our lunch at the end of the lava flow near a cliff and had a sweeping view of the valley and the Rogue River. It was an easy hike with an epic view. We will check with Sydney Monday morning to find out where we are with our parts. On the hike down our conversation centered on the idea that rather than spend our fifth night in the parking lot of the Medford Freightliner we could drive two and a half hours out to the Redwoods and get a hotel there for one night. We had hoped to see the Redwoods for the first time, but with all of the delays, we've decided that if we ever do get back on the road we want to get to Yuma as soon as possible. We are paying nightly for a space we are not using, and it looks like at the most optimistic we could arrive next weekend. Instead of staying there for a month it might be two weeks. We spent some time figuring out the microwave and trying to get local TV. We only seem to have one TV remote for four TVs and are having trouble getting things figured out. Did we not get them? I think when we did our pre-delivery inspection we didn't even ask about remotes. We were so focused on everything else and the TVs were running we just missed that detail. January 10th Entry We met with Sydney and he indicated that some of the parts arrived on Friday night and they are waiting for the others to arrive Monday night. We decided that since our tanks are filling we should leave for at least a night and see what happens. This morning, we are headed finally to the California coast without our motorhome, but the sun is shining, and it is good to be out the flight path of the airport and the industrial area. We found the urban homeless encampment yesterday and realized that it is less than a mile from where we are staying. This explains why there are so many people coming and going at all hours of the day and night. Definitely has been eye-opening to see so many people struggling to stay warm during these cool nights. As we were driving through the mountains and the canyons on really curvy roads we were glad that we didn't have the motorhome with us. Lots of narrow hairpin turns. Maybe California coast roads are not a good idea with a motorhome towing a jeep. There were three construction areas to repair some major slides on US 101 that required us to stop and wait for the flaggers. We went to the Holiday Inn Express and the parking lot was completely empty. They gave us a room when we arrived and we stored our belongings there and ate our lunch. We drove to the Lady Bird Johnson Memorial Grove in the Redwood National Forest. Epic trees everywhere. There aren't words for how majestic and ancient these stands of redwoods are. We walked silently breathing the clear clean air, listening for wildlife, and hearing nothing but silence. It was awe-inspiring. When we got back to the car I got another call from Gary Harris at Tiffin. What an amazing man. We gave him an update on our parts situation, and he asked us to save our receipts for some of our expenses. Between Freightliner and Tiffin he wants to make things right. I thanked him and was so grateful he called. We drove down to the beach and decided to try and hike to the Fern Canyon. When we got to the park gate, Mike got to use his National Parks Pass for the first time. Then we were told that with the rain and snow there were three streams about 8 to 10 inch deep to cross, but with the jeep we didn't have any problem. We started hiking up the canyon, but the water in the stream was gushing and really deep. It was deep enough to go over the top of our waterproof boots so we went upstream for a while and turned back. We explored a campground and imagined coming back someday with tents and cots to sleep on the beach. The road is muddy, rutted, and washed out. Definitely not a place to take Frosty. Then we drove back to the coastal loop. We made our way on another gravel road to the cliffs and the overlook. There was a crab boat in the water. The sun was setting and there we met another couple, Amy and Bart from Indianapolis. 
They have six kids between ages 8 and 19, and we're taking a break from the weather and the four who are still at home. We shared our stories and had a really amazing time connecting. We took pictures at sunset of the ocean and the cliffs from the overlook. Everything is closed, the restaurants as well as the casino due to the winter season and probably COVID. The only place left to get dinner was the country club an iconic bar and grill focused on supporting the local fishermen in the winter and the tourists in the summertime. We ordered burgers and fries and they were delicious. The owner made our dinner herself and was heading home after we were done. Besides four other people at the bar, locals from the town, we were the only ones there. Tomorrow we will hike again and hope Frosty can get fixed. January 11th Entry We got up checked out from the hotel room and got a grab-and-go breakfast. Due to the hotel not being able to hire anyone to work in the kitchen it is a sack breakfast that we made into our lunch as well. The man at the desk said it has been really hard to hire anyone since June of 2021. Since the landslide, the roads are closed for hours at a time by Caltrans and they can't get anyone to come out. We did two loop hikes in the redwoods again. We saw the the big tree, ironic because they are all big, the corkscrew tree, it looks like a corkscrew, and then took the cathedral tree's loop. We definitely got our steps in. Again it was magical and amazing and inspiring. It feels like a sacred, holy place. I'm grateful for all of the people who worked together to purchase the land, deed it to the federal government in the 1920s and 1930s so this place could be protected forever. It is so amazing. We drove back to Medford and as we were pulling in we got a call from Sydney. While the third part didn't come in, Andrew had managed to fix the wet connectors, replace the parts that were damaged during manufacturing and for good measure put dialectic grease on to protect the components from water damage in the future. Great job Andrew, you are a hero. Frosty started right up but it was late and we were tired. Plus Sydney wanted us to start him up in the morning so he knew everything was taken care of before we left. Altogether we were parked in the lot at the Freightliner in Medford for seven nights. Hopefully, our 21-day odyssey is coming to an end. January 12th Entry We got up early, hooked the jeep up and the motorhome started. We said goodbye to Sydney and Andrew. We filled our diesel tank, emptied our gray and black water tanks and we were on our way. Mike was amazed at the features that Frosty has. The road watch, exhaust brakes and cruise control were amazing. We didn't have those when we started out on December 22nd and never since. We set out and crossed the Siskiyous without any problems. He was actually enjoying the drive even though it was super steep and really curvy. We texted our friends and family and let them know we were on the road. I also called and left a message for Gary Harris at Tiffin that we were on the road again. He called later in the day to wish us well. I also texted John Carr who has been our champion the entire time since he did our pre-delivery inspection called PDI. We made it all the way to Merced River RV Park and are spending the night for the first time with water, power, and sewer hookups. What a difference between having power and not using the generator. We are taking our first showers tonight and it feels great. Tomorrow we'll drive four to five hours and the next day we should finally be in Yuma. January 13th Entry We drove all day and decided to find our first cracker barrel in Victorville. We had just had a shower at Merced, and we are now quite comfortable boondocking so we thought it would be a good option. We grabbed a salad at the restaurant to go ate our leftovers and went to bed. We were right next to the highway so it was super noisy. We didn't sleep much so got up early and were on the road by 7 a.m. 
January 14th entry. It's arrival day. We came off the 4,000-foot plateau in Victorville where there was snow on the mountains, and within a few hours at one point were 220 feet below sea level near the Salton Sea. On the highway, a truck whizzed by and a rock hit Frosty's windshield, and we have our first ding. Bummer. We drove straight through without stopping from Victorville to Cocopa RV Resort and arrived at noon. But with the time change, it was 1 p.m. in Arizona. We were checked in, guided to our spot and within an hour we were all set up. We found the El Dorado taco stand and had a delicious snack. Then we drove to the Walmart neighborhood market and picked up some fresh produce. Great prices and really nice fruits and vegetables. In fact, we are surrounded by fields of gorgeous lettuce and I think parsley. We took a walk in the evening around the park and saw hundreds of people at the cantina having the Friday night special which was a pulled pork sandwich for $6. We'll have to try that next Friday. It is hard to believe that it took 21 days. Five technicians. Two of three parts and sleeping in the parking lot of the Medford Freightliner for seven nights to get Frosty going again. What an odyssey. We have learned so much and are grateful for our home on wheels. We never take it for granted when he starts. We also have a new appreciation for the nation's truckers. What a hard life. As well as all of the trucking support businesses. Mechanics. Repairmen. People who provide mobile services. Diagnoses. And troubleshooting electrical and electronic issues. Notable standouts have been Gary Beavers from Salem Freightliner for his incredible advice and general moral support, Sydney from Medford Freightliner for his leadership and communication, and Kale for rescuing us, Andrew the technician who found the problem and then fixed it. He was patient, thorough and allowed Mike to watch the entire time he was working. Getting a call from Bob Tiffin and many calls Gary Harris at Tiffin meant so much. While there wasn't a lot they could actually do for us in our situation they were so kind to reach out. They offered suggestions and encouragement along our journey. Finally, John Carr, from Polsbo RV was there for us the entire time. We texted him constantly keeping him up to date. Sending him photos and he even called us one night to debrief the repair experience. Just knowing there was someone who cared about where we were and what was happening to us made all the difference. Frosty and we had a rough start at the beginning of 2022, but we are here now in Arizona and ready to start the next chapter of this experience.